Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 85. We're back with another preview, this time for UFC Vegas 23. Put a hashtag in front of it, headlined by a very interesting fight uh, between Marvin Vittori and Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland stepping up for a second main event in, what, three three weeks? Are we surprised? Uh, we're not, but... As always, your host Noah B. and Dominic Salee. We end another week. Dominic, what are your thoughts on this matchup? The UFC returning to ABC Network for their second stint. Big deal. Good, good thing to note there. And uh, a great afternoon of fights with a great main event. I'm a little sad we didn't get Vittori Till. But Holland looking to bounce back big after really getting dominated by Brunson a few weeks ago. He could come out and make a statement, and it would be as if that fight never even happened. Yeah, so, really true. Who knows what could happen here? It's a great day of fights, and uh, I'm just so happy to be back on the microphone, <laughs> yeah. in the booth. Yeah, remind us to never take, take this, this long, long of a hiatus. <laughs> Seriously, and you're going to see why here momentarily, because <laughs> it's time for the news. It's a whole newspaper. <laughs> it's a whole newspaper. But... We have to give our thoughts on the... There's a lot of shit that has went on since we were Listen, last here. Listen, there's less, there's less words in the Bible <laughs> than what we have on this Google Doc right here. Whew. All right. It, it, so we're just going to go ahead and start with the fight announcements. First, we got a couple for May 8th. The first one being a very intriguing strawweight matchup between Angela Hill and Amanda Hebus. Yeah. This is really a good, good it matchup. It is a good matchup. Because Angela Hill, being that veteran who, you know, like it or not, she's lost more than she's won in the UFC, but always kind of in these razor thin, close decisions. They're always great fights. Great fights. Sometimes she's been on the, the end of some decisions that maybe haven't been exactly uh, ones we would agree with. I guess yeah, that's tag controversial. While Amanda Hebas, being that exciting prospect, did get kind of knocked off her high horse at January with yeah. that loss to Marina Rodriguez. That's the first loss of her career. Second, second but second first loss. in the UFC. Um, so she's looking to bounce back here. What are your thoughts? I think it's, this is a perfect fight. If it wasn't Watterson for Hebas, then Hill makes all the sense in the world. The rising prospect, with you know matching her up with a seasoned veteran, and for Angela Hill... They're rewarding her for her activity and how she's always in these great fights, always putting on a show. So active, by far the most active women's fighter. And uh, she's back again. A big test for both. Angela Hill trying to crack into the top ten. Hebos trying to bounce back and prove she can beat the seasoned veterans. I- I'm excited for this one. Stylistically, it should be a really interesting fight on the feet. And if it's on the ground... I would anticipate Hebos to get the advantage, but Hill is not a slouch when it gets to the ground either. It's <laughs> yeah, it's interesting all. fight. Yeah, I think there's still a lot left to be answered about Amanda Hebos' game. You know, Marina was able to kind of finish her on the feet, even though Hebos has looked very competent at times in her stand-up. She is very much that kind of jiu-jitsu fighter, get you down to the ground, finish you with an arm bar, something like that. Oh, yeah. Angela Hill is someone that will stand and bang all day. Oh, yeah. Doesn't really have the knockout power of someone like Marina Rodriguez, but she does have that output and that pressure. She and does a lot Amanda, of pressure. And Amanda, you, you notice when she got hurt, now she got stunned bad oh, yeah. by Marina. Yeah. But she kind of, you know, she she definitely kind of just folded up. 
At least that that's trying how to it, survive. Yeah, and you know, we don't know what's going on in her head. She just got rocked, yeah. but it, it could definitely uh, it'll definitely be answering some questions maybe that people have about Amanda's game mm-hmm. coming off of that loss for sure. Also, on that same night, is this the main event that night? Do we know? I don't know. Okay, um, but it's Neil versus Neil. Yes, Jeff Neil versus Neil Magny. I love it. Which I think the train. I think the train likes it. The too. train does like it. If you guys can hear the train in the background, <laughs> um, this is another really good matchmaking here. Neil Magny coming off the main event in January, one that he lost to Michael Chiesa. Yeah. While Jeff Neal also coming off the main event that he lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, both around the same time period. And this fight was originally booked to happen yeah. in August before Jeff Neal got that nasty yeah. infection that yeah, happened. That's true. So. That's true. So you got Jeff Neal coming off a loss in December, main event, five rounds. Neil Magny coming off a loss in January, five rounds. Why not pair them up here? They're right. both in very similar places in their career, even though they took different paths to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, Magny's been kind of a guy that's sputtered when he's got to that top yep. 10, really, when he's trying to get into the top five, while Jeff Neal kind of skyrocketed his way there, but had his first sort of setback. Yeah. So, any thoughts on this one? Eleven versus nine, both looking to right their wrongs coming in and correct the losses that they've each are coming in off of. And this is another fight where Neil can really stand and bang, and Magny's going to want to pressure, 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 clinch up against the fence. Maybe even probably would want to wrestle a guy like Neil with the power that he has. Another fight that really has a lot of X's and O's and could go either way. No, I completely agree with you there. Those are both happening May 8th. Yes. This next one. Okay. I mean... (laughs) UFC 262, the next week on May 15th. Okay. We have our first ever five-round non-title fight co-main event. It's a mouthful. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. What the hell? Okay, Uh, so this is headlined by (laughs) Oliveira Chandler for the vacant belt. Yeah, and then you also got Tony Ferguson, Benil Dariush, which I think a lot of us thought would be the co-main event. And then this happened. And then this happened. Did this hit you out of left field? Oh, 100%. I mean, I've I've really kind of been very vocal on this podcast about my frustrations with Leon Edwards and how he has really been looking for these you know, these matchups, which sure makes sense from a rankings perspective, and he has every right to want them. You know, these matchups with Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, a title fight with Usman, you know, things like that. But I've been frustrated with them because it's it appeared obvious to me that the UFC didn't value him enough to give him those matchups. Yeah. Because his name value is just nowhere near where these guys are. So I was just getting frustrated because it looked like he was basically hurting himself by not fighting. Yeah. He did take a fight that ended up being against Bilal Muhammad. Literally was worse than him losing. To be yeah, honest. it really it really was. And now somehow he's matched up with Nate Diaz, who is the biggest money fight of all those guys. Yeah. I'm stunned. I really am. And you know, I have to kind of eat my words there because I literally was like, there's no way Leon's going to get that. But yeah. not only that, he's in the first ever five-round Non-title fight. Well, we had just talked about this on This or That. Yeah. And you pissed me off. Yeah. (laughs) But now they announced this, and I'm like, maybe I am a little open to it these days. Because you know this is just going to open the door. It it is. But part of me is also like... Maybe that's not a bad thing. It's kind of a weird... It's weird. It's kind of a weird fight to be like, this is the first 
Yes, that is a good way to put it. Because then you got to think, that, like I said, it's going to open the door. So now we're going to get, you know, like top five matchups where we wish people could go five rounds. We're probably going to see those more. Now, I don't think this is going to be a common occurrence like every single pay-per-view. But when there are highly demanded fights or highly ranked fights that aren't for titles and that aren't main eventing fight nights, they may just be able to slide in on these five-round co-mains. So don't... Pr- Expect them to happen too often, but when they do, just know they're going to be huge. And this one is huge. Leon getting to fight the biggest name, deservedly so. And for Nate Diaz, he could literally win. Like, listen here. I'm just going to... This is what the UFC would love. Yeah. Nate to beat Leon. Jorge to beat Usman. Connor to beat Dustin in July. If those three things happen, the UFC is on a yacht. Just money signs all over the place with all the possibilities. But right. again, this is a huge fight for both guys because literally if Nate wins this, he's top three welterweight. And they'll likely give him a title <laughs> shot. Let's just be honest. Uh, it's it's bizarre. And you'd like to think that if Leon wins, he finally will get the title shot, I think. But maybe not because Colby's there and I don't know. But this fight is really cool. It's going to be a stand-up war. We know that. Yeah, I mean that's... Absolute battle. It's here. tough to really gather my thoughts because, truthfully, there's nothing here on paper that's bad. I mean, it's all good. I'm happy for Leon. I'm happy for Nate. I'm happy that they're getting this kind of stage, this platform. You know, it's a the, it's the first yeah. of something like that that mean and put make adds a little extra yeah. special to it. But at the same time, it, it is just so out there. Like yeah, it's just yeah. so. This got announced, and I was like, what? And, um, you know, all respect to these guys for, you know, obviously I could see why Leon would want this fight on paper. He should have the advantage here. You would think, yeah. But. We'll see how it goes if it gets to the later rounds. It makes sense making it five rounds with a guy like Nate Diaz, who he tends to get better the longer the fight goes, no matter how much he's getting beat up. And Leon, we've only seen there so many times, so this is interesting. And like I said, when it's going to be a stand-up war, it'll be interesting to see who fades and who does not fade. And if neither man fade, man, we could be in for quite a battle, potentially. Yeah, completely. But I could also see this being one-sided. I I don't know. Yeah, There's a lot of stuff. Hopefully, what I care about most is that hopefully we, for Leon... It's if clear. Win. It's a clear yeah. win or clear loss. Yeah, yeah. No more eye No more uncertainty. No, no yeah, yeah, none of that. That is happening May 15th, UFC 262. Oh, that card's awesome. Following that up, May 21st, Bellator, Bellator. 259. They're back. Chris Cyborg mm. looking to make her next title defense of the Bellator women's featherweight title against a familiar foe in Leslie Smith. Fun fact about this one, Dom. Leslie Smith was Chris Cyborg's first UFC opponent. Yeah, a rematch, what, five, six years ago now? I, it's yeah, been I a while since years. Cyborg debuted. Yeah, so... You know, we all know what happened. We, we, we named Chris Cyborg our women's fighter of the year yeah. for last year, so it's obvious we think very highly of her and the things she's doing in Bellator. Very kind of surprised that this is the fight that got announced, but... You know, much like the UFC, I think Bellator is totally just trying to kind of, you know, they're just finding opponents to put yeah. in front of Cyborg. And it's someone like Leslie Smith who has fought her before. Season veteran. Who has that name value from being a former UFC yeah. fighter. I, I can't hate it. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
And for Cyborg, it may just be another easy title defense. Maybe it will be an interesting fight. We In her last fight, she got her first ever submission victory, which is hard to believe considering the career that she's had. So <laughs> yeah. it seems that she's just getting better and better still, which is mind-boggling. True. Now on June 12th, UFC 263. Yes. Likely going to be the last... Uh, maybe I shouldn't say likely, but it might be the last time we see one of these guys in a UFC yeah, octagon. Damian Maya, the living legend, going up against Bilal Muhammad, who we just talked about. And, you know, I like this move for Muhammad because we had said after the Leon fight, like, okay, we're we're not big on the rematch, right? We We agreed on that, but we wanted still something bigger than what Muhammad had been used to. So they match him up here with a legend in Damian Maya, who also, by the way, ranked number eight. So it's a win-win here for Bilal if he were to win. Now, if Maya comes in and does his thing, you never know. When this guy gets you to the ground, you're probably screwed. Like, you know what he's going to come in and do. So for Bilal, obviously, try and keep this fight on the feet. Go to work with that great striking that he has. And if it goes to the ground, Bilal is good, but he's not Damian Maya good. That's so that's you got to be careful in this one for Muhammad. You're correct in that. Damian Maya's got lethal mm. jiu-jitsu yeah. when a fight goes there you saw a guy like Ben Askren who being such a accredited wrestler yeah got manhandled manhandled on the ground by and Damian Maya yeah and put to sleep so in this matchup he's gonna have that advantage there he has the most elite skill set yes in yes. a certain aspect of MMA for Bilal Muhammad he's probably the more well-rounded fighter, yeah. if you're talking about all aspects of MMA. But he's not really someone who's shown to be elite anywhere. Right. You know, I've talked about that about a few different guys, but him specifically, nothing really stands out as being like, this is what makes Bilal Muhammad such yeah. an elite fighter. He's just kind of, he's good, he's competent everywhere. Yes, exactly. But can that hold up against a guy like Damian Maya, who... Sure, is Damian Maya much of a stand-up fighter? No. But he has fought the best of the best stand-up yes. fighters. Yes. So he knows how to counteract that and get the fight into his zone. He is going to be relentless. And I don't care. You know, the, you can make this argument, oh, he's 43 now. He's old. This is just you know a fight to get kind of Muhammad into the top 10. I disagree completely. Damian Maya, <laughs> just two years ago, three years ago, was fighting for a belt. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that. I mean, he's won two of his last three. The the loss, Gilbert Burns. Yeah. Just and he's night. only been finished via strikes two, three times in his whole career. Yeah. So I, you got to stop that nonsense. This is a very tough matchup. It, it, I love this matchup by the UFC. If Muhammad can really kind of make some strides in his, in his stand-up and have some good takedown defense, because Maya's going to shoot. Yeah. I mean, you look at that title fight with Woodley. That man shot... 23 times. And didn't get a single one. Over 23, yes. <laughs> so, if Muhammad can really work on those aspects, he should be able to really get a big Picking win. Picking apart on the feet, yeah. yeah. Moving oh, on. One this, week later. Dare I say, this might be... <clears throat> this might be my favorite one out of these twelve fight announcements. Yeah, you, you know what? I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> you might, you might have me there in terms of the fight. <clears throat> oh my, Dan Ige, who we just saw, <laughs> fucking what, twenty two seconds? Twenty two second knockout. He's back on June nineteenth, going up against his toughest oh. opponent to date, 
Chan Sung Jung, better known as mm-hmm. the Korean Zombie. Now, well, he you, called it. Ige yeah. called him out. It's time. And TKZ said, bring it, bitch. Oh, <laughs> man. Is this fight going to be a war or oh, what? Dude, it, it's, it, there's no question. This, I believe, is the main event of the fight night. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it is. And if it's not, they better switch it to the freaking main event. <laughs> this needs to be a five-round war. We've seen Ige go five rounds. We've seen Korean Zombie go five rounds. Neither one of these guys is going to wilt in front of the other. It's going to be damage from both people. Absolute just battle here. And very big implications as well. Two guys who, are, who when it comes to their offense, they're all gas, no break. But they do love the game. They get can get hit. hit, yeah. So that should lead to... Carnage. As much as I want to say, like, oh, this fight shouldn't go five rounds, uh, it probably will. These guys have two of the best chins in the whole division. Yeah. Uh, we're going <laughs> to see each of these guys, dare I say, on wobbly legs at least once in this yeah. fight. And it should be an amazing fight. Korean Zombie looking to bounce back from a, dare I say, disappointing performance against Brian Ortega. While Dan Ige is really hitting his stride right Holy now. Holy one-punch KO in his yeah. last outing. Just had a baby. Now he's got dad strength. You got to think about that. <laughs> that. Hey, That's going to play when, in. <laughs> when, when we throw around the term beautiful chaos, it's fights like this. <laughs> yeah, that get so, With that so label true. with it. You so know? true. That is an absolute banger. Number eight versus number five. Potential winner of that fight, one away from a title, depending on how that division I mean, plays even out. Ige, man, he could really if he makes like a if statement, he starches zombie. I mean, that's which really, no one does. <laughs> that could literally be all he needs to say. Yeah, all right, fresh I'm gonna, blood. I'm gonna put my ticket in now. Yeah, man, I love it. One week after that, <laughs> a big matchup at heavyweight. I'm actually surprised that uh, to see this man getting matched up here. Surreal gone. Who? This. He's kind of fallen out of the the title picture for now. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But for now, he's kind of not really being talked about as a title contender. Yeah. But he's right there in the mix. And he's going up against another man who oh, is also in the on mix. A t- on, on a tear right now. They call him Drago. Mm. Alexander Volkov. Mm. This, this, is... this could be Surreal Gun's toughest matchup in the top ten stylistically. This is going to be a very technical striking battle yeah. here. This might not be the most exciting yeah. fight. Yeah. But damn it. I'm you have a guy to... like Volkov who matches Gon's length, he matches his pace, and then he can, he'll slow it down. Yeah, man. He matches that distance control. Like, these guys are very similar in ways, but also very different, obviously. Yeah. And um, I'd be very interested to see if uh, this fight could go to the ground. You know, we've seen Volkov kind of lack some of those, some of that strength he has on his feet. And Gon has submission wins, yeah. even in the UFC. And Gon has proven to be very good on He's the ground. He's very well-rounded. So I would be interested to see if this fight goes there. Because Volkov, you look at that fight with Curtis Blades last summer, got pretty much manhandled for five rounds, all top control yeah, from yeah. Blades. God could really pull off something similar. He's that talented. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what kind of game plan he But I'll also be interested to see if Volkov, if this fight stays on the feet, can Volkov get the edge in the striking battle? Because it's really close. I mean, these guys are both very naturally gifted strikers. And the way that Volkov just fought Overeem was the best we've 
ever seen him. That's the Volkov who the UFC thought they were getting when they got a former Bellator, Bellator champ, heavyweight yeah. champion. He had the perfect amount of patience, yet more aggressive than we've seen, and you saw the result. He went to work. It was yeah. beautiful. Oh, I completely agree. I'm very excited for that one, even if might not be the most exciting yeah. fight when it happens. July 10th. Here's one that will probably be a little more exciting for you guys that like heavyweights. Bam, bam. <laughs> Tied to Ivasa versus bam, bam. Greg Hardy. Someone's going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, there's no way, right? There's no way this fight goes three rounds, right? <laughs> well, now we did say that about Jorgen DeCastro and Carlos Felipe. <laughs> you just find reasons to talk about that fight. I, I, that fight <laughs> will forever live rent-free in my head. So this fight, though, Tui Vasa Hardy, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's two of the bigger, you know, prospects in the division. Both are right on the cusp of top 15. Yeah. It should be a banger. We're still waiting to see if Hardy's going to put it all together like he says he's going to do before every fight. And Tui Vasa was on a three-fight skid but looked great in his last outing. Granted, it wasn't against the greatest opponent. Harry Hunsucker. Yes, Harry Hunsucker. Shout out Kentucky. So <laughs> this should be... A knockout. I, I, now, nobody's going to wrestle each other. Let's here. let's talk about it like this. You know, these guys are in similar places, but when it comes to technicality, technical skill, Tytree Voss is leagues above. Oh yeah, uh, Greg Hardy. But From for Tui Vasa, that's not always his problem. A lot of times, it's like his. He, he lacks some sort of motivation in the fight or something. He just kind of, he, he goes into autopilot and coasts his way to like a decision loss. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, Greg Hardy's weaknesses have been similar, but not, his, his are more attributed to his cardio. cardio. Yeah. And, but he kind of just gives up once he can't, once his gas tank's empty. Yeah. So this fight has all the makings of a banger for as long as it goes or the longer it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Being just one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, that's that's truthfully, this is happening at UFC 264, by the way. We essentially have the whole card um, here. This is probably be, yeah. We honestly have three of the five main card fights, if we're being honest. Well, I don't know if this will be on the main card. This could definitely be a prelim fight. They always find a way to put Greg Hardy that's on the true. main card. That's true. But, but either way, this should be banger. Should be. Should be bam bam. <laughs> I hope so. Boom, boom, bang, but, bang. But Jorgen DeCastro, Carlos Felipe. All right, so the next one, <laughs> the next one. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the one. Yeah, yeah. This is it. Gilbert Burns yep. coming off of his loss, Kamaru Usman against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. <laughs> wow, I I love it. I, I love it. Um, yeah, this is the matchup. I I love. Is this. Wonderboy just like the guy in this division that is just a fucking puzzle? He is. In the stand-up realm. He you is. Know? You know, his stand-up is such a puzzle, like oh. you're saying. But Gilbert Burns is so Man. fast. He's a Swiss Army knife. You know, it's... Uh... Man, when he knocked down Usman, I was like, Whoa! <laughs> What? Yeah, people forget that Burns looked like he might win that fight in the first round. <laughs> yeah. This is a great fight. Um, this is the perfect fight to make out for these two guys. So... Let, let's put it. Let's let's try to articulate this style stylistically. What kind of fight we're looking at here? For Gilbert Burns, he's going to have a power advantage. He's going to. He's going to have gonna, a speed advantage. But can he close the distance? This is <laughs> see. It's so easy to put yeah. it in those kind of terms like power, speed. Well, that doesn't matter with Wonderboy. No, he's with just Wonderboy. so. 
He's so fast at getting in and out of the pocket. Oh man, it's beautiful. That 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 in his range, in out, in out, the karate style. So that's really for Burns. How good is he on the feet? Can can he solve that puzzle? Yeah, that so many great stand up fighters before him have failed to do. It's it's tough. Now you could have a performance like uh, think of like Anthony Pettis had, where you kind of just you're losing the fight, but you land that one punch, right? Wonderboy being kind of a smaller guy, not quite able to take that power. I could totally see that happening. Gilbert Burns is so fast. Yeah. And he does have a lot of power for that division. I just don't know if he'll be able to catch him. That's really going to be my question. Can he catch Wonderboy? It's very true. Because really, I think if Wonderboy Wonderboy doesn't get hurt in this fight, I think it's going to be a very tough fight for Gilbert to win on the feet. Yeah. 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 But... You know how Gilbert, how talented Gilbert is on the ground as well. And we've seen Wonderboy on the ground. That's really his where he flaws the yeah. most. But it's so hard to get him there. Yeah. He has the best takedown defense in yeah. the whole division. It's very true. I, I'm assuming that this is, is a fight that is so hard. Yeah, I would imagine. I would hope so. That is a fight that's so hard to predict, like, what could happen. I mean, literally, almost any outcome. Outside of maybe Wonderboy by submission. But hey, even still, you <laughs> yeah. never know. But yeah. obviously our main event, though, for oh. this card. UFC 264 happening on July 10th. Everything but confirmed. Yeah. The trilogy looking like it's going to be on. Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. And let me, you know, I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> it's weird, man. When I when, I, when the fight happened, the second, the, you know, I was really excited for a rematch. And it was a good fight. It lived up to my... I mean, it wasn't a war, but to see who I thought... I thought Dustin had really... I, I really didn't give him much of a chance in that fight. And he looked as good as he did. And even Connor had his moments early. But, you know, it was a great fight for yeah. as long as it went. And yet, when we hear this trilogy being announced, I just couldn't care less. So... You kind of worded it well before we started recording. I'll let you elaborate on that. I will say another reason it may not be as intriguing as what you would think we would be reacting. Essentially, Dustin should just be fighting for a belt. True. Um, Obviously, he chose to pursue this route, so I cannot dwell on that too much. No, I can let you go on your kind of reasoning behind your meh status on the trilogy here. Um, a lot of, yeah, mine doesn't really have as much to do with, like, where I think Dustin should be fighting. It's more because this first fight between these two happened six, seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the second fight in January of 2021. And now you're marketing this as, like, the trilogy that's happening this summer of 2021. I get it. It's the third time they fought. It just doesn't really feel like Because the first one's so far removed. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're completely different fighters now. Oh, yeah. So different feel, weight class, too. It feels like a rematch. It doesn't really feel yeah. like a trilogy. Yeah. You know, you look at these great trilogies we've had with guys like Stipe and DC That recently. comes front of mind, obviously. Where um, they're boom, boom, boom. Or even, like, Liddell Couture for our guys that are fans of the old yeah. days. Yeah, Maynard and Frankie. Yeah. I mean, the, they all happened within a reasonable time yeah, not frame. this long. It didn't feel like they were just completely different fighters. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, it... You know, it's. I'm just kind of. I'm just. You know, I'll be. I'm sure I'll get more excited yeah. for it as yeah. it gets closer. But out of all these fight announcements, 
I'm just, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, Dustin's gonna get another big payday. Yeah. This gives Connor a chance to bounce back. The winner of this will likely be the first yeah. title defense for our winner at UFC 262's uh, lightweight Oliveira Chandler. So it has big implications. It's just. It's never that simple with Connor, yeah, and it's never right. gonna. And if Dustin wins, it probably won't be that simple with him either. Well, and if, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too much. Yeah, I, we'll I, get I, more into it. It's just the yeah. more I think about this fight, I'm just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but no, I want to let you talk because I know you're probably more excited for it. No, I was I was about to actually just move on. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I'm excited. Obviously, it's it's a huge fight. It's going to be one of the biggest fights of the year, clearly, and. I'm a huge Dustin fan, obviously, but there's just still a part of you that's like, oh, okay, it's Connor. So, you know, ideally, and I was telling Noah this, maybe we get kind of a steep DC situation where, you know, the, t- the guys finish each other, one apiece, in number one and number two, and then maybe this third fight, we just get a five-round war, man. That would be what I want, you know, ideal. In the true, may the best man win. Who is the better fighter, five rounds, and who's going to go into the belt? And so we'll see. That's a good point. It really only matters how the fight delivers yeah. once it's once it's all everything, yeah. all the bullshit's gone. It's just yeah. those two guys in the cage. Yeah. You know, I I don't like to buy into it, but I will say that like coming off of a fight where you saw a very relaxed Conor McGregor, very just uh, humble and nice guy, nice guy, and like yeah, that's cool and. But I, I, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't take away from some of the hype. Mm-hmm. You know, those Matt, you think back when he was going up against Eddie Alvarez and Nate Diaz and Jose Aldo. Yeah. The, the heat, you could feel yeah. the fucking heat between I, those two. Well, and I'll be interested to see how he approaches this one. I, I think he's going to kind of find that perfect middle I, ground. I, just, I don't know. It's because just like, obviously he can't just come out and be stupid. Right. Because then it's like, well, what the fuck happened in January? You just know it's all fake. So he kind of screwed himself in that aspect because he can't act like he did in the first one. So there's going to be the respect there between the two and all that, but there's going to be a bit of a there's going to be an angle that Connor's going to at least I would imagine try and pry at. Who knows though? Yeah. But at this point, I think Dustin just doesn't give a shit about that anymore. So I think it might be too late for that. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, that's July 10th. Two weeks later. Yes. July twenty fourth. We've got a couple of women's fights. The return. I'm gonna oh, let shit. you. Intru- I'm gonna let part. you introduce this one because I know you're very excited about the return. The return of Aspen Lad, the biggest prospect in the women's bantamweight division, going up against the other biggest prospect. Really, <laughs> both of these fights in terms of prospects are are the two top two in each division. Macy Kieson from New Orleans. <laughs> uh, this is going to be an interesting fight. Aspen Lad. Coming off of like a torn ACL, all kinds of injuries, and her first ever professional loss. She's nine and one. She's still ranked third, and she's just been hanging out there forever. Um, yeah, she lost to GDR in July of nineteen. Bounced back and beat Yana Kunitskaya, who hasn't lost since then. But that was in December of two thousand nineteen. We have yet to see Aspen return. Like I said, a lot of injuries there. And for Macy, she just fought uh, Marion Renault. What was that like? I think it was in February. It wasn't very long ago. Yeah. And she's 8-1, and one, only one loss, on a tear right now, a great striker. This is a very interesting matchup, and it's a matchup that makes a lot of sense and something we need in this division right now that seems so just uh, stale, 
So putting up these two new faces, quote-unquote, obviously they both have been in the UFC for a little bit, but when you pair them up like this, a big win for either could go a long way when the people at the top have already fought for the belt. So it's a big fight in that sense, especially if you're Aspen Ladd. She could honestly probably win and be next because she's up there. At think about three. if Macy wins this fight and it's jumps huge. all the way to like top five. Yeah, she could jump all the way. That'd be pretty insane. Yeah, she's currently number nine. So this is yeah. number three versus number nine. Again, it should be a great striking battle, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Just seeing Aspen return. Yeah, it's been too long. No, completely agree. Also, on the same night. Macy Barber and Brandon Maverick, you said it, top two. So, I'm conflicted okay. on this one, as I think you are too, and I'm going to let you articulate. I hate this fight, yeah. but I love this fight. Uh, yeah. This is the two youngest and brightest prospects at women's 125 pounds. Literally, what is it, number 15 versus number 14, if I'm not mistaken? Right there, but... And stylistically, it's an incredible fight. It really is. But do you want to pair up your two brightest young up-and-comers in this division this soon in their careers? And I think that's where the issue comes into play. And I'm wondering, does does this mean that they're getting a little lukewarm on Macy Barber? Man, I don't know. I think that'd be a mistake because I think she's very talented. Yeah, man. She's still so good. And this so this is not a fight necessarily. I'm not saying that the UFC is setting up for Miranda Maverick to win this fight. I mean, Macy Barber is arguably the bigger name. Yeah. But, I mean, this is just another tough matchup for her. This is another killer. Literally 22 years old versus 23 years but, old. But, I mean, I get it. 14, 15. Like, th- these are the kind of fights that Macy's going to have to. Yeah. When, if she wants to be, you know, she she is who she claims to be. She's like, I want to be the youngest champion ever. I know that's probably not going to happen now. Right. But she very much... It's the mindset. Her mindset is, I'm a top 15, top 10, top yeah. 5 fighter. Yeah. So she's going to have to win some of these. And Maverick is an animal. Yeah. A I, freaking animal. She is so well-rounded. She looked so good in that fight against Jillian Roberson. Now, Jillian looked good in round two. But rounds one and three all Miranda Maverick, and to come in and do that against someone as talented and as accomplished as Roberson, and just, what, her second UFC fight, and now you're ranked already? This girl is a problem. Yeah. And only 23 years old. I, I know, it's so young. She's a problem. I, I think you're right, though. It's the the business mindset that we yeah <laughs> that we uh, share here i just not yet uh, i wouldn't have done it yet i'm just you know it's a little bit like guys uh, i feel like this is too soon like this could potentially be a, t- a title fight yeah right? down the road too. yeah and instead you're kind of putting it as like a co-made event on this fight night well I, and i will go as far as say this though this potentially might not be the only time we see these two square off i will say that yeah, that's a that's Completely valid. I think these two ladies are going to be in this division yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Wreaking havoc. It's just, man, you, you kind of wonder if there's going to be a missed opportunity down the line for yeah. this to be the first time they fight. That's but a good way to put it. I, I won't harp on that too much because at the end of the day, their match, the two, they both said yes. Yeah. Let's roll. There you go. <laughs> As for the rest, we got to start with this heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean. Now, truthfully, these guys were literally the entire news for like a week. I mean, while all these fight announcements were going on, 
ain't nobody was talking about any of it. No. It was all about Nganu, John Jones, Derek Lewis. Yes. That's all it's been on. But now this week, obviously, things have settled a little bit for the time being. You know, it's kind of that calm before the storm, I guess. The calm after the storm, almost. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was that according to Ariel? They kicked the tires on Lewis and Nganu. Yeah. They wanted it June 12th, which is what I said originally. Too soon of a turnaround for a Francis. He wants to wait until July or August. Fair enough. John Jones asking for what I would assume is north of $20 million, I'd have to imagine. There's no specific numbers. He did say 8 to 10 is way too low. We'll put it that way. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. You know, here, here's why... You know, I see so many people so, I guess, quick to a slander, slander UFC or slander John Jones or whoever. In and we're situation. just here right in the middle. And I'm trying not to do that because, yeah, I want to see the fight, of course. It's the fight to make. Yeah. But I don't have enough knowledge about the situation. We don't know. We can see all the tweets we want by John. But at the end of the day, we don't know what's Even going if on. I knew how much John was asking for, I still wouldn't be able to have much of an opinion on it because the UFC being a private company, they don't have to disclose all of these all these payouts they give to their fighters. Mm-hmm. They they don't. They you know, it's not always just the base salary. A lot of times it's the pay-per-view points, you know, got Conor McGregor being a big example. What I have said though is if John Jones is asking for the kind of money that Conor McGregor makes, then you guys are just going to have to accept that this fight isn't going to happen. It's it's not going to happen, at least for the time being. John Jones has never been a, a Conor McGregor-level draw. As much as we would like to think he is, he's not. You, there's so many statistics out there that have evaluated his buy rates compared to like Connor's and stuff. I mean, and I don't want to turn this into like evaluating Connor compared to the rest. Connor's a whole other level. level. It's just, if John is asking for, and I'm not saying he doesn't deserve that kind of money because they're probably, UFC probably can pay their fighters more, but do I know, do I know, like, do I have a solution in my mind to make that happen? No, no. So I'm just, you know, they, they can fight it out, but just I think we just have to start being realistic that this fight isn't going to happen if John Jones is asking for Conor McGregor level money. Yeah. Or more than that. Sounds like it might be more. That's what I, I mean, it does. And again, I'm not mad at him for wanting that yeah, kind of money. Yeah, chase the bag. I'm just saying that we, we, we're going to have to start being realistic and maybe this fight will still... Who the fuck Do knows? they meet in the middle? Yeah, you know, this is, I've been wrong so many times. Leon Edwards is fighting Nate Diaz. <laughs> Uh, if you would have told me that a week ago, yeah. I would have said that was crazy. But uh, I'm, right now, I'm accepting Ngannou's first title defense is going to be against Derek Lewis, in my opinion. Okay. Thoughts? Yeah, man. Thoughts? I mean, my issue is if you're, the, if you're the UFC, you're banking on Francis to win. Because what if... What if, because technically, Derek Lewis has already beaten Francis. Granted, we don't like to talk about the fight. But just, if Derek were to go out there and beat Francis, the fight's gone. 
the uh, John Jones versus Derek Lewis is just not what John Jones versus Francis is right now at this moment. Yeah. And you're not going to do John versus Francis for no belt. There's I don't know. There's just there's more options for Francis, obviously, but for John it seems like there's one thing and it needs to be a title right now. Yeah. Because if it's not, there's so many just risk factors involved. I don't know. It's just it's a very thin line. I don't know if the numbers are out there yet, but I'd be curious to see what the buy rate for UFC 260 was. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we let's also be honest with ourselves. Ngannou versus Jones as a main event isn't going to sell a million buys. It's just not, not right now. Can Ngannou kind of work his way to? Can he get a couple title defenses, knock out a couple guys, and have that more buying power? Maybe. Yeah. But I'd be curious to see kind of where he is at now, even though he's the challenger against Stipe, so Stipe's going to have some... It's it's tough to evaluate. You just look at John Jones, though, in all of his title fights, he's never really... Outside of the Cormier fights, it's never really been a guy that can get above, like... Five hundred, six hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. So if that's let's say that's what him and Engadu does. Let's say it's six hundred. I'll even give seven hundred. Is that really going to be worth for the UFC making the level of investment that John Jones is wanting them to make in him? Yeah, it's uh, it's touchy. <laughs> you it's know, a touchy subject. It really uh, is. And I and I don't want to. I feel like people might think I'm siding with the UFC. I'm not. I'm just being realistic about where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Well said. Moving on. This is fun. We got some tough coaches. About damn time. And I'm two actually, that we would have never you know saw coming. And I'm surprised. But I like it. I, I'm happy about it. Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega. You know, good for Volkanovsky because he is a guy that is so incredible. But guys like me, <laughs> being blessed express on the choo-choo train. Yeah. We just tend to. Meh. You don't just, like you don't like Volkanovski yeah. that much. It's not even that I don't like him. It is like yeah. you don't think he deserves the belt. How you feel about Poirier McGregor three is how I feel about Volk, and I shouldn't. You're I'm just like, like man, <laughs> but he is an incredible fighter. He literally has one loss on his. He resume. really he's got to get this Max Holloway monkey off his. And back. this is perfect for him. Everyone is going to be on tough. Now, this obviously isn't going to be like the hugest ratings compared to what they could have done, but still, I think it's a very interesting matchup here. It's a great fight. It sucks it got postponed, but it works right. out better for these guys, really, <clears throat> truthfully. They get to build their character, build their popularity on tough, on ESPN Plus, or however they're going to do it. And for, like I said, for Volk, it's huge because people are just going to get to experience him more as a person and learn to, you know, like him more and kind of Maybe that Max Holloway umbrella that he's living under, it'll start to be lifted. Yeah, you know? so this I'll is be, big. I'll be very curious if this fight gets attached to like an August card, and then you have that main event of Ngannou Lewis or Ngannou yeah. Jones above it. Supposed to start filming in late April. You might have said that, but just in case. Yeah. Supposed to start filming in late April, supposed to air in the summer, and obviously for Ortega. He's already a pretty popular fighter amongst he's the definitely, community. He's definitely a level above kind of the yeah. average, you yeah. know? He might not be like a huge star yet, but, you know, but, but he's got the he's got that X factor. He's a good looking guy. He's he's got he's you know he's very 
humble when I, he talks. I don't hate that they didn't go the route of like some huge two name coaches. I like this. Yeah, I, and it's more of that competitive. Like, oh, okay, they're gonna fight for the belt. This is big. They're gonna have that competitive edge. And at the end of the day, the show is still supposed to be built around the fighters in the house. That's what matters the most. So they've got two great coaches here, two great camps. Ortega trains with like the Gracies in California, yeah. Volkanovski with City Kickboxing. So the fighters are going to learn a lot that are under them. It's It really is. I'm really excited. That's a great point, pointing out that this ultimately is supposed to be a vehicle for the fighters yes. on the show. Yes, And the coaches are supposed to be there to help them and also build their title fight. Yes. So you got these two guys who aren't exactly like the biggest shit talkers, but they're very confident in their abilities. And I think that's going to show. You're going to see... You know, you're going to see some of that drama as reality TV does. But there's no doubt in my mind these guys are both going to be very good coaches and that you're going to see some really good fights on here and some guys really grow into it as they move along into competition. Mm -hmm. Here's another big one for the UFC. Reebok, be gone. Venom, come on in. (laughs) They return. Yeah. Used to be really one of the biggest sponsors back in the day. So... Venom is now the official gear and apparel sponsor of the UFC. Not shoes. Not shoes. Reebok still shoes. Till December. Yep. Makes no sense. <laughs> I mean, some they got to wear something out to the... True. True. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Now, the kits aren't anything crazy. We've seen the kits. Yeah. But I think they're better than Reebok. For now. And they're going to change. They're bound to change. Reebok changed theirs multiple times. There's a little bit more spazazz. Okay. You know, a couple more. They look a little more modern. You know, the lines and they just look like sporty, athletic a little bit more than Reeboks do. Colors are kind of all the same. The red, the blues, the greens, the yellows, the championship black and gold. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's nothing crazy. But, again, it's just the beginning. And I'm kind of excited to see where they go with this because it, Venom is like one of the OG combat yeah. sports like apparel companies, f- they have proven that the, at least the people, you know, as a company, they appear to be fans of the sport. Yeah, more so than I could say for Reebok. They're like along the lines of like how Tap Out used to be viewed, like big pioneers in this sport of <laughs> MMA. Yeah, so that's why it's nice to see them back with obviously a company the biggest in the world in the UFC. So yeah, I don't truthfully have too much more to add for this. I mean, they debut this weekend, right? Obviously, so that's that's on nice. the card. Um, it's cool. You know, they don't look bad, <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, truthfully, they're very similar to Reebok, and I guess in a way, I'm somewhat disappointed in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of, like, it just, it, you know, maybe this is the UFC's, like, decision where it's like, look, we just, we kind of want... A clean look. The same, yeah. you know... A uniform. Yeah. Quote, unquote. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It's very... It's very much the same. Mm-hmm. Now, can they improve? Can they build right. on this? It's yeah. going to change. I do want to see fighters kind of allowed some sort of personalization to their their look outside of just their name. You know, you know, we talked about the camo. Yeah, yeah, uh, for Bryce Mitchell, yeah, and stuff like that. I would love maybe to some see diamonds that. on there for Poirier. Maybe some flag designs for yeah, different guys. That would be cool. I don't know. It's just a little like imagine, imagine you know, you anybody remember that the the big boxer Butterbean, yeah, yeah, wearing an American flag, yeah, like that would be what Colby Covington would come out. If Colby Covington came out American flag, it'd be pretty cool, man. Yeah, 
I mean, still the Venom logo, you know. If you had Colby Covington, some American flag shorts, and you got Kamaru Usman coming With out. the Nigerian flag yeah. shorts. Yeah. And then you'll remember that yeah. better than champion black, black and, and gold, gold and yeah. blue or whatever Colby would wear. Because think of like Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz. It's fire and ice. Fire and ice. Oh, you know, man. that adds something to it whether you like it or not. But I like that idea of flags. I never yeah. really thought of that. Because usually they just do like, like Conor McGregor would wear green, but yeah. it's not like obviously yeah that's probably because he's from Ireland, but it's not like right the orange is not on there the white so yeah I like that idea that's something that could be very unique and cool sweet yeah hey UFC hire us we're looking you know <laughs> come on come on now we have some uh, some results news results we're almost done with the news yeah we're, we're almost <laughs> this done. is actually from other events outside the UFC. Yes. Start with Bellator 255. Headline being Patricio Pitbull submits Emmanuel Sanchez via the gilly, the guillotine choke. Three this guy, minutes, 35 seconds of the very first round. Sets up a huge final AJ matchup. McKee. AJ McKee. In Had the, the stare Prix. down at the end in the octagon. That was pretty cool. Or they're not in an octagon. I guess they're in like yeah. a circle, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Pitbull is a beast. It's getting harder and harder. This is his featherweight belt, by the way. He has two belts. It's getting harder and harder to deny that this guy might be the best featherweight in the whole world. This guy is good. I will say it's getting to a point, if he beats McKee, I'll at least would like to see him try. A little bit of cross-promotion action. I'd like to see him try. Yeah, why not? Um, He completely starts Sanchez in here. Emmanuel Sanchez is a very tough fighter, very well-rounded. This was a rematch, too. Yeah, and Pitbull just... Made very quick work of him. As he typically does. Um, yeah, you get stared out with McKee. It's the matchup everybody wanted to McKee's see. McKee's an absolute stud, McKee's man. much bigger. You can see that. Yeah. In the cage. That's going to be probably late fall, I'd have to imagine. So I not too so. far from now. I hope so. That should be a banger of a fight. Bellator really is doing huge things <clears> right now. Also, Magomed Magomedov got his second win in Bellator. So, uh, just something to point out there. True, true. Um, also, one... They debuted on TNT. Maybe cool. didn't go the way they thought it would. No, it didn't at all. So you start with Eddie Alvarez, who gets disqualified yep. in his matchup. Hits to the back of the head. Slaps. Yep. Hits. Uh, so what one does is they have like the red cards and yellow cards, kind of like soccer. soccer. So he got red carded. See ya. Yeah, so DQ. DQ. Done. While the main event... Okay. <laughs> okay. Mighty Mouse. Yeah. One of the greatest fighters to ever grace the earth. Got knocked out. For the first time in what is now 30 plus professional MMA fights. By a grounded knee to the face. But it is legal to do grounded knee strikes to the face in one championship. And I'm going to be honest... I don't get to view much one championship, so I didn't know all their rules. I didn't know yeah. the rule book. So when he got kneed, I was like, well, son of a bitch. It's, <laughs> it's, something's in the water these days. Nope. He got knocked out and uh, lost. By the way, who did he fight again? What was his name? Adriano Marais. Yes. Um, he's a welterweight. <laughs> Let's just be honest here. When they stared down at the beginning of this fight, Demetrius looked normal. You know, like a flyweight. <laughs> yeah. And the opponent, what's his name again? Adriano. <laughs> Adriano. Adriano literally looked like a 155er. Yeah. I was baffled. We were texting in the group chat 
Like, <laughs> holy shit, this guy is humongous. Yeah. And it, it showed, really. The strength showed significantly in this bout. Yeah, I mean, you saw in the first round, uh, Mighty Mouse looked great early. Rice was able to take him down and really just held that top pressure to rest or top control, I should say, rested around. Mighty Mouse not really able to do much with a much stronger man on top of him. Second round, wow, much the same. And then Rice hits him with that knee to the face, and it was whoo! out cold, man. Yeah, it was man. brutal. It's the first time that uh, Demetrius has been finished. Yeah, yep. in his thirty career. plus fights. And only what? What does he have? Three losses? Four losses? So, probably a mixed bag of a debut for one on TNT. Um, I will say, Marice does have the makings to be kind of like a great face for kind of the smaller weight classes of one. And, you know, he he even talked about running it back with Johnson down the line. And mm-hmm. Maybe that could happen. Eddie Alvarez, that one sucks. I mean, it sucks because Eddie Alvarez is one of the best lightweights in MMA history. And it was the first time, first time being back on American television since he left Yeah, I mean, they put those two on this for a reason. And it ends like that. Yeah, awful. It's tough. While Johnson, one, has invested so much in him, you know, he comes up short getting the belt. It's tough. That trade all of a sudden... Looking fucked up for both sides, Baskin and my well, guys, man. I, I still think it's just uh, so funny. Uh, yeah, it's. I, I still think that. Uh, you know, I just think that Bryce. I mean, he was huge. Literally, they shouldn't have been fighting each other. That's that's <laughs> honestly how significant it was. It was crazy. I was mind blown. I mean, it showed. It was crazy. Hey, the odd. Hey, the betters didn't seem to think so. Man, somebody made a lot of money last night. Johnson was an eight to one favorite. Bryce five to one underdog. Come wow. on, man. Come on. You got to love an underdog You got to put some story. respect on that Bryce, man. He's legit. But, uh, uh, it, and, you know, this is great for one. They're going to be back on TNT a couple more <clears> times <throat> this month. It's good for, obviously, us, you know, the American audience to get to just get a little taste. Because when they always fight, it's always at like 3 or 4 in the morning. It's on like the Bleacher Report app. But now it's on prime time, 10 o'clock at night on TNT for, you know, millions of people to watch. And I hope people can capitalize the next couple of times we got it. So, yeah. Well said. Shout out to one championship. And that is all for the news. The news. Um, so part two of this episode. <laughs> Intermission. Yeah. <laughs> no, and kidding. we're back. Okay. Hashtag UFC Vegas 23. <clears throat> the second time UFC is going to be on ABC Network. Headlined by Vittori and Holland. And we got a five-fight main card here, but we're going to start at welterweight. A banger to start the card. Yeah. Mike Perry. Platinum. <laughs> Platinum. Going up against Daniel Rodriguez Dominic. D Rod. Take it away. Mike Perry, 14 wins, 7 losses, 11 KOTKOs. He's got 7 of those uh, finishes in the first round. He's 7 and 7 in the UFC. Came into the UFC 7 0, fun fact. Notable wins against Jake Ellenberger via brutal elbow uh, knockout. A split decision over Mr. Paul Felder. A decision over Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And then a great bout against Mickey Gall. One of the best that we've seen, Mike Perry, through 15 minutes in the octagon. Notable losses to Noah's favorite fighter, Alan Joban, via decision. <laughs> also lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio via decision. Max Griffin via decision. Got submitted by a nasty armbar by dad strength, Donald Cerrone. Split decision against Vicente Luque. Got TKO'd by Jeff Neal with a nasty head kick. 
And then his most recent bout was against Tim Means. Lost a decision there. Daniel D. Rod Rodriguez. 13 wins, 2 losses. This guy's a stud. 7 KO TKOs, 4 submissions, 4 of those in the first round. He's 3-1 in the UFC, 1-0 on the Contender Series. Notable wins against Tim Means. He got that via submission. Also knocked out Dwight Grant. And the loss that's notable, of course, was his most recent fight against Nicholas Dalby. That was via decision. A very, very close war that those two gentlemen had. So both these guys coming off losses here. And two guys that really like to bang it out. This is violence here. This fight would be a lot easier to predict if I really knew what kind of Mike Perry we're going to get. <laughs> that is a great point. Because, you know, it's <laughs> it's beginning to get harder to ignore that Mike Perry just doesn't appear to be the same fighter. Let's put it that way. He doesn't appear to be the same fighter over the last year, year and a half, that he was before. I mean, this... You look at the fight that he had with Tim Means, which was arguably the best fight of that main card. Yeah. But he looked slower. He was more out of shape. He missed weight for a fight. Uh, he he wasn't as toned as he usually is. It was all very noticeable. Um, he's been kind of doing this very unorthodox uh, method of having no corner besides his lovely fiance. Yes. Who is pregnant. Born now. Mike Perry oh, really? coming into this fight with dad's strength as well. Dad's strength, okay. We could see a different Mike Perry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and do this, though. Uh, I'm going fight of the night with this one. <laughs> oh, God. Main card fight of the night. We yeah, our main yeah card. You're, I mean, you're probably right. It's, it is so tough for me to say right now. I, I don't know. I've... I'm struggling for a slugfest. Yeah, I, I definitely can see the potential for that. Daniel Rodriguez um, has a lot to prove here. He definitely, look, I, I watched that fight with him and Nicholas Dalby. That was also UFC 255. Rodriguez won that fight. Don't care what anybody says. Dalby did not win that fight. Should be 4-0 in the UFC. But, you know, that's not what the judges said. It was a close fight. I get it. I'm going to go Daniel Rodriguez. And I'm going to go Daniel Rodriguez via, I'm going to go via decision. Yeah, yeah. Got a hard time predicting Mike Perry to be stopped. Exactly. That's where it comes into play for me. I think this is going to be just a barn burner, back, back and forth, nonstop action. I do think Rodriguez gets the better of him, really, wherever this fight goes. Because yeah. I think it may play out on the ground a little bit, maybe. But I'm going D-Rod here via decision to start the night if, off. If we see the Mike Perry of old. It could be interesting. Uh, I think that he, the, I think that the best Mike Perry is better than Daniel Rodriguez. But, I mean, you even made a good point about his fight with Mickey Gall. That wasn't a year ago. That was last summer. And he looked great. He looked great. But before and after that, it's been very weird. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's a good point. So, I, I'm going to... Go with Rodriguez here. I I could see it being a very close fight. I'm actually gonna agree with you. By the night, it's pretty much all I got to say about it. It's tough to. It's just yeah. tough. If I I just don't know what kind of Mike Perry we're getting here, and that's gonna be a trend when we talk about the main event later. But oh, true, true. Moving on, women's fight. I can't wait. I was very close to name this one fight of the night, but I, I didn't wait. For this. Nina Ansaroff and Mackenzie Dern. Yes, sir. So Nina making her return for the first time since the summer of 2019. 
a long layoff, became a mother during that time with Amanda Nunes in September of last year. So this is her first fight back. But don't forget, she's number five in the world right now at strawweight. And for good reason. She's got 10 wins, six losses, four KOTKOs, two submissions. She's four and three in the UFC with wins against Angela Hill, Ronda Marcos, and Claudia Gadella, all via unanimous decision. Has clearly progressed uh, during that. She went on a four-fight win streak there. She does have losses. Uh, Carla Esparza back at Crowbar MMA. (laughs) I bet that was a rowdy show. That was in 2010 via split decision. Uh, then she started her UFC career off 0-2, lost both those via decision, went on that four-fight win streak, but her <coughs> most recent fight and her last fight was against Tantiana Suarez. That was also her last fight that we've seen her. That was via decision. Of course, Tantiana Suarez is one of the best women's fighters in the world right now. We just never get to see her fight, but she's never been beaten. So Tatiana won that one. Uh, Nina does have two of her finishes in the first round, by the way. Mackenzie Dern. Ten wins, one loss, six submissions, five of those in the first round. She's five and one in the UFC. Notable wins against Ashley Yoder in her debut. She submitted Hannah Cyphers. She submitted Randa Marcos, and she got a great fight with uh, Verna Jandaroba via decision. That was such a back-and-forth fight on the ground, on the feet. Loved that fight. Uh, her lone loss was to Amanda Hebos via decision in another fight. That was absolutely incredible. Yeah, true. And what I like about McKenzie here, she arguably could have been our fighter of the year in 2020. Went 3-0 and has literally looked better each time. And, and on the feet is where we've been wanting to see McKenzie progress because we know she's literally one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in all of the UFC. Right. She's incredible. Multiple world championships, the accolades go on for days. But the striking was lacking. But ever since, these last three, since she lost that fight to Hebas, better and better and better. And in that fight with Verna, the fight was on the uh, feet for nearly 15 whole minutes, and she won the fight there. Granted, it wasn't the prettiest striking, but you saw the improvements. However, have the improvements helped so much that she can compete with a great kickboxer in Nina Ansarov? That's the question. Well, I don't think uh, I don't think she's ready to slug it out on the feet Man. with Nina, but I don't think she's going to have to. I think that Nina's going to come in here on a pretty big, significant layoff, nearly two full years. Um, she's good, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think uh, she's going to be able to prevent Mackenzie Dern from taking this fight to where it wants, she wants to go. Mackenzie very big and strong. Man, her physique transformation, yeah. she's so physically like lean, leaner now, doesn't struggle cutting weight. She used to struggle bad with the yeah. weight cut. Now she's lean, very strong, as Noah alluded to. Very interesting there in the uh, physical aspect. I think that you're going to see a lot of top control mm-hmm. from uh, McKenzie in this fight, and I think she's going to get a submission win in the second round. Mm, you think she's going to pull one out? I think so. Yeah, man. I get... <sighs> so I'm going McKenzie, but I'm... The toughness of Nina is the sole reason I'm not going with a finish. I think yeah. she's going to be able to tough it out. She's shown weaknesses getting taken down before, and I think it's going to happen again. Again, uh, McKenzie's just such a high-level grappler. The fight's inevitably going to go to the ground. If it stays on the feet, I lean toward Nina, but I'll be interested to see how McKenzie can respond to such a good striker. But like Noah said, this fight will go to the ground, and when it's there, McKenzie will be able to control... 
Uh, she's going to try and try and try to get the submission, but I think Nina will be able to at least fight him off. Maybe we see some more ground and pound out of McKenzie than we're used to seeing. And I think she ultimately gets a decision victory here and catapults her way up the rankings. I mean, McKenzie is uh, one of the highest prospects in all of the women's divisions right now. Rightfully so. Still very young. Ranked 11th, fight number 5. This is that big push for her finally. We'll see how she responds on ABC. Here's an interesting one. Cuban Missile Crisis. Happy to middleweight. The Cuban Missile Crisis is back. Julian Marquez, Mr. Hannah Montana, Mr. Miley Cyrus, whatever you want to call him. Oh. Going up against Smiling, smiling Sam Alvey. He ain't going to be smiling after this one. <clears throat> Sam Alvey, 33 wins, 14 losses, one draw, one no contest. He's had a fight in in every way imaginable. 19 KOTKOs, three submissions, 14 of those finishes have came in the first round. 10 wins, 9 losses, 1 draw inside of the UFC octagon. Notable wins against Gerald Mearchart. That was at NAFC in 2014 via decision. He KO'd Cesar Ferreira. He got a decision over Nate Marquardt, a decision over Rashad Evans. KO'd Marcin Procnio, and a split decision over Jean Vellante. Some notable losses on the record. He's lost to Gerald Mearchart. That was at Combat USA in 2010, so those guys are one apiece. Need to see that fight happen again. He lost that via submission. Uh, he got TKO'd by Derek Brunson. Lost the decision to Elias Theodoro. Decision to Talis, Talis Ladies. Lightus. I'm usually bad at saying his name. Got TKO'd by Antonio Nogueira. Uh, TKO'd by Jimmy Crute. And then his most recent battle was against Ryan Spann. Uh, lost that via split decision. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Julian Marquez. Everybody's favorite fighter. Miley Cyrus' yeah. favorite fighter. Six KOT... Or, well, he's eight and two. I guess I gotta start with his record. Six KOT KOs. Two submissions. Noah, you know the math. He's a perfect 8-8 eight eight finish rate. Ring the bells. Ring the bells. Four of which have came in the first round. Two and one in the UFC. Also got a win on the Contender Series. That came against Phil Halls, actually, who's now in the UFC. That was via KO. He submitted Darren Stewart and submitted Maki Patolo, really via Hail Mary, in a fight that he was down in. What a fight that was. And the lone loss in the UFC was to Alessio DiCirico via split decision. So Julian's back already, and uh, the miss was going to be firing. I'm just going to be honest with you. Look, I I hate to be this guy, but I, I really think this fight might be a little bit closer than, oh, than we're man. thinking. I must say... Julian Look, showed flaws against Maki. That's what I'm Patolo. saying. Look, he, he could very easily be on a two-fight losing streak right now. And yeah. If he was, I feel like people would be a little bit kinder to Smile and Sam. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Sam Alvey has not been on the cleanest of runs. He, is, he hasn't had a win since June 2018. He's went 0-4-1 during that time. But there, he does have that veteran capability. And even in some of these fights, like Ryan Spann, that fight was so close. And Ryan Spann's a freaking beast. Yeah, and then even like the Jimmy Crute TKO, like he was, he looked good early in that fight. And that fight arguably shouldn't have got stopped. It was a very quick stoppage by the ref. And still, Jimmy Crute. I mean, yeah, I mean it's Jimmy Crute. And, you know, Julian, mom. I'm not all in on Julian Marquez. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's yet to really not face a significant opponent. I mean, that's true. Phil Halls, he's had I quite feel, the resume. Phil already. Halls, Darren Stewart, Alessio De Chirico, and Maki Patola. Those are all significant mm-hmm. names who are on the rise right now. 
I want now you he gets the season I want, you, I want you to give your prediction first because you, I, I know where you're heading. The missile's landing. Okay. The missile's going to land in the second round. KO, TKO for Julian Marquez. He had, in, improves to 9-2, and two, all nine wins via finish. I, you know, it's just, I love smiling, Sam, one of the best personalities in the UFC, but there just comes a time where it's like, all right. And then you're putting him up against a killer like this? Yeah. I, That's I just get it. tough, man. Tough. I get it. I do think he's going to keep that, that. I think he holds his all, but he's going to get rocked. I think he's going to keep that 100% as well, but it's going to be 100% of his losses via decision. I think Sam oh! Alvey. <laughs> I think Sam Alvey oh! gets the win here via decision. Shit. I'm, I'm, I'm signed with Sam. Look, I could be way off on this one as I've been before. <laughs> I, I, I really think Sam, it's not necessarily that I think Sam Alvey has so much left as much as it is. I think this is just, I really think this is a big step up for Marquez. Still holds for Julian. Yeah, I, and that's, that's really going to be what it comes down to. Some of those veteran qualities that Marquez has yet to go up against, I think could be exposed here against someone like Sam Alvey, who really does always kind of find a way to stay in the fight. He's in tough fights, man. Yeah. I'll give him that. Now, did I this throw you is, first? Throw this you? is my main event. Okay. This is my main event. The so, people's main event. Damn it. Arnold Allen and Sadiq Yusuf. Super Sadiq is yeah. back. Yeah, you, okay. <laughs> let's, but. Let's give some respect to Arnold Allen here. Arnold Allen? Oh, no slouch, my friend. Yeah. What a match we have here. Matchmaking 101. <coughs> Holy moly, let's just get into it. Men's featherweight action. Two top-ranked guys, Sadiq Yusuf. Both these guys, by the way, back in action for the first time since January of 2020. Can't believe it's been that long since we've seen them, and now they're matched up with each other. Woo! Sadiq, 11 wins, one loss. He's got six KO TKOs, four of which have come in the first round. Undefeated in the UFC at 4-0. Also a win on the Contender Series. That was against Mike Davis via decision. He TKO'd Gabriel Benitez and then got a decision in his most recent outing back in January of 2020 against Andre Touchy-Feely. Uh, the lone loss on his record, you know, the guys that only have one loss, no matter who it's against, I got to I gotta give him a shout-out. It came to Luis Gomez at Titan FC 47 in 2017 via KO. So, Sadiq, he's been hit. Yeah. And he's been put to sleep. Mm-hmm. All right. He's coming into this fight, however, six wins in a row for Arnold Allen. 16 wins! One loss. Five KO TKOs, four submissions, three of which have came in the first round. A perfect 7-0 and in the UFC. These guys combined for 11-0 and in the UFC. Holy shit, this fight is crazy. He's got wins over Maquan Armikani via split decision. A unanimous decision over Gilbert Melendez. And his most recent outing was against Nick Lentz. That came via decision. The lone loss on his record. I'm going to struggle a bit with this last name, but I'm going to give it my all. Marcin Rosecheck. Actually, that came out quite smooth. That was at CWFC 69 in 2014 via decision. And wow, you know, Sadiq's coming in on a six-fight win streak. Arnold Allen said, hold my beer, kid. Nine-fight win streak here for Mr. Allen. Noah. This is the way. This is the fight. These are two top prospects who... We just haven't seen him in a while. Sucks. There's you got to think these guys are in they're nearing their prime. Yeah. So all that growth behind the scenes. What are we going to see here? What what kind of fight do you think we're going to see? 
I think we're going to see a very technical fight. Yeah, we didn't pick it to be fight of the night. Yeah. I think there's a reason. For this that. is going to be a very methodical, I would say 95% if not all of the fight will be on the feet. I think both guys will have their moments in this. But yeah, as I alluded to, not nothing crazy. Not a crazy barn burner. But there's a lot on the line for both these guys. They got to be careful in a fight I mean, like this. Considering that they they haven't been the most active guys, you gotta you gotta yeah. think that there is a lot riding on this one. Yeah. And truthfully, I'm struggling with this one because wh- what are we gonna see from these guys after that layoff? And you know, I, I I'm at least happy that both guys have had the layoff, so it's like okay, right? I I can assume both of them have developed and gotten better. Oh yeah. But. Is there going to be any ring rust from not being in there for so long? It affects other guys differently. I'm going to go with my gut. And my gut tells me that Arnold Allen is the more technical fighter of the mm. two. I'm going to go Arnold Allen via decision. Definitely going to be like kind of the linkier, longer guy in this it, one. It's, kind of the short and stocky yeah, build. He, he's, he's going to have the power advantage. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think the longer this fight goes, the more it favors someone like Arnold Allen. Allen. Yeah. But Sadiq has proven he can go all 15 and... Still look pretty fresh. So. I, I am so excited for this. I'm so glad they gave them the co-main event slot on ABC. Uh, I'm a huge Sadiq Yusuf fan, but that's no slouch to Arnold Allen. This guy's an absolute stud. Uh, but I think Yusuf can get it done. I think Nigeria gets another win here. One step closer to their fourth champion in the UFC. I think Sadiq Yusuf gets it done via decision. Again, a close, real back-and-forth technical striking battle here. Hey, could it be a barn burner? Maybe so, and maybe that would favor one of the two if they came out more aggressive and just caught each other off guard. You never know, uh, but I think it's going to be quite the uh, quite the chess match. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I think this fight's going to be razor thin. Close. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now it's time for the main event. The I Italian mean, Dream <laughs> and the Trailblazer. This is a hard one. It is hard. Marvin Vittori back in action for the first time since, what, December is when he fought last? 16 wins, 4 losses, 2 KO, TKOs, 9 submissions, all 11 finishes have came in the first round. He's 6-2 and two with 1 draw in the UFC. Notable wins against Cesar Fajera via decision. He got a submission over Carl Roberson. And then that outing in December was against Jack Hermanson. He looked incredible, like he had just leveled up significantly in that bout. Went all 5 rounds, and really won all 5 rounds. But it was a great fight, incredible fight there. Uh, the lo- the notable loss is Antonio Carlos Jr. was a decision. And then, technically, Marvin Vittori is the closest in terms of scorecards to beating the middleweight king in Israel Adesanya. He lost via split decision in a fight that some say Marvin won. But we'll leave that in the judges' hands. However, he's coming into this fight on a four-fight win streak and, well... Now we've got Mr. Kevin Holland, and I didn't have to take notes because he's just two pages back in my notebook, so it's pretty easy. But now, Kevin, 21 wins, 6 losses, 12 KO TKOs, 5 submissions, 11 of those finishes have came in the first round. He's 8-3 in the UFC with a win on the Contender Series. Uh, the notable wins on his record include Jeff Neal, that was at XKO 34 in 2017 via TKO. Gerald Mearchart via split decision. He uh, got a decision over Alessio DiTorico. TKO'd Anthony Hernandez. TKO'd Joaquin Buckley. A split decision over Darren Stewart. And then KO'd Jacare Souza. And still, one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see in the UFC. 
Notable losses, Tiago Santos via unanimous decision, uh, Brendan Allen via submission, and then, of course, Derek Brunson most recently in that five-round decision loss there that he kind of just got dominated in. So a guy that won five fights in 2020 was a lot of people's fighter of the year. Now coming in with a lot less momentum, very interested to see how he bounces back, or if he can bounce back, I should say, against a guy as tough as Marvin Vittori. Who's really hitting his stride right now. I mean, confidence at an all-time high for Vittori with that And I think still very underrated. Yeah. Um, This is a hard one. This is really hard. Because, look, Marvin Vittori, great great everywhere. Yeah, very well-rounded. Doesn't really have kind of that, that, that defining trait as a fighter that's like, okay. I mean, he does have nine submission wins versus two via strikes. Yeah. So I guess in a way, like, he is very more comfortable at finishing the fight on the ground. But I, it really doesn't show in the way he fights. I think that's more just... I actually think that's more of an outlier. I think he's really just kind of good everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's only getting better. And Kevin Holland's kind of the same kind of puzzle. He's he's definitely got his strengths everywhere. He's very electric fighter. He's just a, I mean, he's this ball of energy kind of thing. But as we just saw, definitely has his weaknesses. Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, I I really don't know how this fight's gonna go because. Kevin Holland does look like he's had a big mental shift. He's coming in with a different mentality for this one, for sure. So will that show through? I mean, can that really? Is that really all it was in the Bronson fight? Is that really going to be the difference here? You know, is that mental shift going to be enough to kind of propel Holland over someone like Vittori, who's, you know, are, he's really in that same ballpark as someone like Derek Brunson? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I want to hear your thoughts. Well, you know, and I'd like to think, truthfully, Derek Brunson's great, but Vittori may just be a bit more well-rounded, you know, in terms of, like, the striking. I think his is a little cleaner, a little more yeah. crisp. Uh, maybe not the power. Brunson definitely has the power advantage. But needless to say, I think Vittori may have more routes to victory. I don't know. There's just so many intangibles here because Holland is very good off of his back. But against Brunson... He didn't do anything off of his yeah, back. So, and Vittori, like I said, nine submissions. So he's, you know, no slouch on the ground, but he likes to stand and bang with people. I mean, he nearly finished Jack Hermanson in that first round. He took his head off. So I still lean toward Holland in the striking just because of that length. And he does have some power. But on the ground, that's where the biggest factors are for me. Like, what's going to happen? Is Holland going to be able to stop takedowns? Is he going to try to take? Vittori down? Is he going to get up or is he just going to stay on his back? Is he going to be active from the ground? There's a lot of questions to me if the fight hits the canvas. That That's the <laughs> biggest thing for me in this one. You didn't really help me. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'll give my prediction. Yeah, go ahead. The Italian dream gets it done again. I think he gets on a five-fight win streak here. Inches a step closer to a rematch with Israel Adesanya. Fourth round submission okay i think the five rounds is going to favor vittori especially after what we just saw him do against Hermanson. not that holland can't go five rounds but we saw when he did there's just nothing that he presented us with now could that all change this is a completely different fight i get it it's just hard when you see what we just saw literally three weeks ago 
uh, I don't know. I, I think Vittori's just kind of the better fighter coming into this Saturday. Uh, is the best way for me to put it. Man, I, I am struggling with this one. I want to believe that Holland can bounce back that quickly. I want to believe that it's all it's going to take for him is just kind of a mental switch and mm-hmm. that he's, you know, back to looking like how he did last year. But I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go with Marvin Vittori. I'm going to go via decision, though. I think this will be a much closer fight than Holland had with Brunson. What, what do you think, like, in terms of how it plays out? Do we do we see a lot of striking? Do we see a lot of groundwork from Vittori? I definitely think the reason Vittori's going to win this fight is he's going to be able to get it to the, the groundwork. But I still could see a much more active from the bottom Holland here. I, I just think Vittori is... Vittori's never really, you know, shown me any weaknesses when it comes to his chin or anything. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll take some of those shots from the bottom in order to kind of advance his positioning, things like that. Yeah. I, it's going to be an interesting fight. It's hard for me to even predict it in my head, but I'm going to give Vittori via decision. Even I'm very, very, got a weird feeling yeah. about this one, but yeah. I, I'm not going to go there. And uh, that's pretty much it for UFC Vegas 23. Make sure to check out these fights on ABC. What's the start time on these? <laughs> Prelims. Hope you got your breakfast with you. 11:30 a.m. On the East Coast, main card, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right in the middle of the day. Beautiful. Woo, man. It's going to be a great Saturday. Agreed. But until then, actually, I'm going to What's next? talk about what's going on. They've not on heard from week. us in so damn long. <laughs> so Monday, we're going to have our recap of UFC Vegas 23 per usual. Wednesday. Yeah. We're going to go back-to-back special episodes. Yeah, we're making up for the postponement with two back-to-back special episodes. The first being Noah's grand idea here. I must say, actually, both coming up. We're only going to give you one. So, since uh, Venom has now taken over for Reebok, I think it's kind of appropriate to take a look back at the Reebok era, being from UFC 189 when it debuted to UFC 260. And we're going to give a list of our... What, what were the biggest, the best moments? Moments, fights, of press conferences. The Reebok era. Yeah. Just as a whole. It, it's pretty open yeah. to anything. Yes. So me and Dom will each make our list. We'll come back here on Wednesday. Cut the shit. We'll talk about it. Yeah. And then, I mean. That Friday, Gastelum versus Whitaker. Yeah. UFC Vegas 24 preview. So there's, that's next week's lineup. It feels yeah. so good to be back, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> But we hope then. you guys. Oh, sorry. Oh, we ahead. hope you guys are happy to have us back. By the way, if you uh, have seen our new <laughs> cover art logo rebrand, hope you guys enjoy that. Went back to the OG color scheme, Noah's idea there, and I got to say, I, I loved it. We had our own little personalized touch. You know, mm-hmm. let us know what you think about it, and if you haven't seen it, you can find it on social media. <laughs> you can find me on D Sleep. At Deasley14, Twitter, Instagram, you'll see the logo there. If you don't want to follow me, you better go follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, at BAJ underscore MMA podcast, and you're going to see the new logo there as well. It's it's everywhere. <laughs> it's taking over the MMA community. Agreed. And right. as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram, at NT Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree. 
where you'll also find the new logo. This is true. Which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight, news story, if you just want to say hi, or tell us we're a piece of shit. Or remind us never to take a long break. Again, as Noah mentioned. You got 60 seconds to do it there. And there's another link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides with a few dollars a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast. So again, you can find all that if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore. But with that, we're out. We'll see you all on 